Welcome to season four of the Florida Institute for Child Welfare podcast. I am Jessica Price, your host. I'm excited to introduce Dr. Elizabeth Winter, Executive Director of the Selfless Love Foundation. We will hear Dr. Winter talk with several youth who have lived experience and valuable perspectives. They will discuss topics that relate to gaining access and opportunities as youth in our child welfare system. Let's get started. Today, we are discussing the Office of Economic Self-Sufficiency, sometimes known as Access Florida, from which former foster youth may be eligible to receive food assistance. I am so excited today to be joined by Patty Grogan from the Office of Economic Self-Sufficiency and Rayla James, a young adult with lived experience in the foster care system out of the Bavard area. And so as we begin, I think it would be great, Rayla, if you could share a little bit about your experience in the foster care system and how important this food assistance has been for you. But if you could just introduce yourself and just share a little bit about your experience. Good morning, everyone. My name is Rayla James. I am 21 years old and I'm a former foster youth. I spent four years in care from the ages of 14 to 18, aging out, and am now living independently. In 2018, I joined the Brevard Youth Leadership Council in efforts to share my experiences in care and make better reforms for policy and practice changes. I'm also part of statewide initiatives led through One Voice Impact and leadership groups at my school. I go to the University of Central Florida and I am majoring in elementary education. Thank you, Rayla, and thank you for your advocacy. It is amazing to see former foster youth come back and advocate for changes that will impact those that come after you. So that's wonderful. And we're so excited to have you with us, Patty. I know you're a longtime employee with the Office of Economic Self-Sufficiency, and you have lots of valuable information to share. So can you tell us a little bit about sort of how youth who have aged out of foster care system in Florida can access food stamps through the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance program, often known as SNAP. Good morning. Yeah, let's start with SNAP because it's so much easier to say than all of those other words. Most people who have come out of foster care, hopefully, will have been already signed up for SNAP before they leave care. That is one of the goals of the program, so we hope that generally happens. But they will have to recertify, and if for some reason they weren't receiving SNAP when they left, they will have to apply. The easiest way, the way almost all of our applicants do it, is go online to www.myflorida.com slash accessflorida slash. It's very easy to go in and establish an account. We ask that you please provide us an email address so we can keep in touch with you. And I'll start with a plug to please, please, please update your mailing address if you receive your notifications by mail, because otherwise we can't find you and you'll probably end up at some point losing your benefits because you won't meet your recertifications. Thanks, Patty. That's really important information. And and Rayla, I understand you struggled a little bit in getting food assistance. Can you tell us a little bit about what you learned through that experience? Yes, of course. So as a former foster youth, I am eligible for aftercare services, extended foster care or PEST. So I am in PEST, which refers to post-secondary educational supports and services which is a stipend provided to me for being in college with nine credit hours or more. With being on PEST, I'm also eligible for the max amount of food stamps per month. And unfortunately, I have run into many circumstances of being denied not once, but going on three or four times as of this year. So this is definitely a deep-rooted issue. And it's very frustrating because there is a DCF memorandum if 
many youth out there did not know, I would recommend asking your independent or life skills case manager because there is a DCF memorandum that explicitly states that if youth are on PES, which is the monthly stipend for being in college nine credit hours or more, that that income is to be excluded in determining eligibility for SNAP assistance. However, I would like to say that in the times that I've had SNAP assistance, it's been very beneficial to me and helped me get through hard times and help stick to my budget. This is really important. And I think you've mentioned this, your maximum benefits could be up to $50 a week. Is that correct? My maximum benefits is $200 a month. Okay, great. $200 a month. So I can see how important that would be to buy food. And so, Patty, what should a youth do if they're denied? Because I understand there's some confusion from the coordinator. Can you share a little bit about sort of what that process looks like and how they can manage those issues? Yeah. And Rayla, I'm sorry you've had an unfortunate experience with getting your benefits. I hope that doesn't happen to you anymore. Um, Let's talk about the application because it can be a little tricky if you haven't filled out applications before because it's interactive. So it doesn't look the same for everybody, depending on what you put down as your income and assets. The questions are going to be asked differently. But there is a question that asks about your income. And you should include the income information that you receive from PESS, but it will be under unearned income because you're not actually, you know, doing a job for it. So if you put the income down, what I would suggest you do is make sure you're indicating that it's PESS, what the exact program is. And I would go ahead and put in parentheses after it exempt, because then if we have a brand new caseworker, which we do all the time for our thousands of employees, then that will probably raise a question for them that they maybe need to go talk to a supervisor rather than just denying you based on income. But in the unfortunate circumstance that you do get denied, you can call the call center and you can talk to somebody and say you were denied inappropriately. And if somebody in the call center indicates that they think that's correct, ask for a supervisor. And if a supervisor doesn't help you, then the final route you can take is we have a process called fair hearings. Now, Frankly, if you call and ask for a fair hearing, a supervisor is probably going to do a second look at it to make sure because they don't want to go to a fair hearing either. But there is a hearing process where somebody will look at the policy and look at what you've claimed and they will reinstate your food stamps if the department made an error. So there's a number of different protections to help you get to the point of getting your benefits. So what I hear, Patty, and I just want to make sure this is clear, is that the stipend that they're receiving from being involved in these independent living services is considered unearned income, and they should also say exempt so that that signals to the case manager who's looking at this application that should not be considered regular income, thereby perhaps denying them food assistance that they're applying for, correct? Correct. And make sure they indicate that it's PESS. Be very clear on what form of income is coming to them. Awesome. And Rayla, I know you're a great self-advocate. And when you face barriers, I know you knock them down. Can you share a little bit about sort of how you managed the process when you got those denials? Because I know you didn't take it lying down. So tell us a little bit about that process. Yes, of course, Dr. Winter. So in the events that I've been denied, I immediately would log on to my Access Florida and view the document in a PDF version that's provided to see if there was any other changes on there or any other notices on the internet browser itself within my Access Florida online. And then I would just read it and usually it will explicitly state with a star asterisk or something, you were denied for this reason. 
Sometimes it might ask you to go in and change something, submit something else, submit a different document as proof of income. So I would do that, wait a few days. Usually you'll get something in the mail that, okay, you need to do an interview. So then I would call and do the interview. Now, being honest, you're going to be on the phone for a long time. You're going to be on hold and it can be very, very frustrating, especially as a full-time college student now interning and I have loads of other responsibilities and advocacy things that I'm up to as you heard earlier. So what I do is I put my phone on speaker and turn it all the way up, put it on mute and just keep it close by me. Do not put your phone in another room on mute and walk away because I have done this and I was like, oh yeah, I can go to the bathroom, you know, it'll be fine. Of course, they happen to come on the line during that one moment and then I get hung up on and I have to restart the process after being on hold for three hours. So keep your phone next to you so you can avoid that frustration. So just complete your interview, upload all your required documents and you should be good to go. Thanks, Rayla. Those are really good practical tips for all of us anytime we're on hold. And we spend a lot of time on hold <laughs> trying to get a customer service agent. But I believe Patty has some other tips that can help in getting youth through to Access Florida. Patty, can you share those? Florida's call center, just like pretty much every other call center that people deal with, has some peaks and valleys in terms of when people are using the call center most. My secret clue is never, ever, ever call a call center first thing Monday morning because apparently everybody thinks over the weekend of things they need to do and come in at 8 o'clock Monday morning and start making phone calls. So that's the worst time in the world to call is on a Monday. The best time is to call right when the call center opens at 7 o'clock in the morning. But Again, don't do it on Monday. Thursday morning at 7 is a, probably a pretty good time. Our call centers run from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Our peak times are always all day Monday, lunchtime, 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning, and right after work. So try to avoid those times and do it when everybody else isn't, and it will help you a little bit. I will also tell you that right now our call centers are very, very busy, and we are, like everybody else, down staff between people leaving their jobs and people being out sick. So it is taking a little bit longer. So we ask you to bear with us and, again, try not to call at those peak hours. Awesome. And then I also understand, Patty, that there's some eligibility requirements. So how long does the certification for food assistance last? What are some of the other things I know you mentioned, especially for youth that are on our post-secondary education services and supports, which we refer to as PASS? This is really important information and a great resource. So can you share a little bit about so they don't lose eligibility? Yeah, and let's just talk a couple things about the application process because you submit an application and there's a couple things that surprise people. One is we want to know who all is in the house. So a lot of people think it's just your family members, people to whom you're related, but we ask for all the people who live in the same house. And one of the questions is, do you buy and eat food together? It's snap language. They call it purchase and prepare. And if you are people who buy your food together, eat the same meals, and kind of everybody owns the food, then that's considered a family unit. But most roommates don't really do that. Most roommates buy their own food. You know, they may share a, a jar of mayonnaise, but most of their food is separately purchased and prepared. So make sure you answer that question in the way that you really live your life. If you're not sharing everything, then you want to say no, that you're not purchasing and preparing together, because that could impact your benefits. 
We also ask about income, both earned and unearned income. And you need to know that we have a lot of ways of checking that. So we get employer information, all kinds of information that will tell us if there's any discrepancies. And sometimes, of course, people will make errors and everything, and those will be discussed during the interview. But if, for example, you say you have rent, that's $800 a month, but you have no income, we're going to ask you how you're paying your rent because obviously you're getting some support from somebody in order to do that. So it all has to kind of make sense in the end what you're declaring. And we'll walk through that with you on the interview. So once you are eligible to receive food stamps, you will be certified for a certain period of time. It may be four months, six months, or 12 months, depending on the individual circumstances. And then you'll get a notice from us that you have to come back in and recertify and provide some additional information. Now, I would suggest to you that please make sure that you are keeping up with us. So you can choose to receive your notifications by mail or by email. And either way, just make sure that if you have it in an email, you have it in an account you look at because if you miss your recertification, your food stamps will end. You can choose how you want notifications to come to you. They can come to you via mail or they can come to you via email and you get to make that selection. If you choose to have it come by email, which I highly recommend if somebody is moving frequently or hasn't gonna you know, be in the same address for a very long period of time, but you need to make sure that you're checking your email because if you miss your recertification opportunity, then your food stamps will end and you'll have to reapply. Thanks, Patty. You mentioned several things that I just want to summarize and repeat because they were so important. It was when you fill out the application, be honest and truthful about income earned and unearned, about how you live and who you live with, making sure that you keep the ESS or Economic Self-Sufficiency Office up to date with your current address or email and to keep an eye out for those things because the recertification may be at four months, six months, or 12 months. And we know former foster youth move often, right? Or may not be checking their email regularly and how important that is. And then the last thing I heard really is if you're going to call the helpline, that Monday is not the day to do it. And so I think those three things, right, call the helpline, not on a Monday, be honest in how you're declaring and completing that application, and then make sure that you're keeping your application up to date with your most current mail or email. I'm going to turn now to Rayla, because as a former foster youth, I know you have great tips. You've lived this, right? You have many lessons learned from your experience. And so what tips would you want to share for youth that are maybe listening to this call or youth advocates that are listening? Thank you, Elizabeth. So to recap some of the most important tips that we've gone over so far that I also believe are critical is double check your SNAP application for errors, meet your interview requirements, keep your My Access Florida information up to date when you are going to be on hold, mute yourself but keep your phone close because sometimes if you don't call during those what Patty referred to as peak and valley hours, then you might have some frustration getting through to a representative. And then my last tip that I have for you really comes from my personal experience and knowledge that I have gained over the last four years of what is considered adult independence for my life so far <laughs> since I'm 21. If you are like me and sometimes, you know, there are people who might deny you the application because they didn't know to go to their supervisor or something, during the periods of no SNAP assistance, when you're in between, try your best to eat at home. 
The cost of food and living has increased so much, but just picture this. For the cost of a McDonald's meal, maybe eight bucks for a drink, a sandwich, and a hash brown, I could go to the store, I could buy a whole bag of bagels, a carton of eggs and cheese, and I could make bagel sandwiches Monday through Friday of that week, maybe even Saturday, because bagels usually come in a package of six. So just picture that. You can rework your money in different ways. And also, the best thing that I do is before I go grocery shopping, look in your cabinets and build meals from what you already have. I always keep rice, pasta, and frozen vegetables because those are the things that I find myself most frequently eating. So I can build meals off of those base foods. So if you know you have rice in your cabinet, think of ingredients that you can buy to go with that so you don't have to buy a whole separate ingredient to make a new recipe. And lastly, shop weekly and stick to your budget. I shop every weekend because I have found that in the past I would try to bulk buy. As a youth, I'm super busy, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to buy as much food as I can so I don't have to go to the store for a long time. Wrong. I ended up wasting so much food and threw out so much fresh breads and vegetables and fruits. So in regards to that, shop weekly. And also, last tip I just remembered, you can freeze bread. I know, your mind is blown. You can freeze bread, guys, and then just put it in a toaster and make peanut butter bread for breakfast. You're welcome. So, Rayla, those were incredible tips. And I think those were incredible tips, not just for former foster youth, but for all of us, right? That going out to eat is expensive. It's not as nutritious often. And we can do much better in budgeting if we do those things. And so, obviously, it's great to have this incredible access. Before we close out, Patty, if there is anything else you want to add, And I want to make sure that we repeat the number. If youth are struggling getting their food assistance, make sure we let them know who to contact. A couple of tips. First, I'll start with giving you our phone number again. It's 850-300-4323. And that's the phone number that you can reach Access Florida at. That's our call center. But in addition to that, we do have a new program that is focused in part on children leaving foster care. And it's called Hope Florida. And our phone number for that is 850-300-HOPE. And this is a new program launched just this last few months that will help individuals, including youth aging out of foster care, to identify goals and barriers to reaching those goals and connect them with local community resources. So you could call the number and a care navigator will help you identify what it is that you want to achieve and the local very local resources that are available to you and work with you to get you referred and into those programs now in some cases that might be a food bank if you need help for a week while you're waiting for your snap benefits to come through or it might be some other kind of program educational program vocational program assistance in in getting a job all kinds of issues that we come up with every day and these workers are designed to help you with any of those issues that come up so i hope you'll take advantage of that as well Additionally, I wanted to mention that there is a separate phone number for EBT benefits themselves. So if you're having a problem with your EBT card, if you lost your card or your benefits are missing or there's some kind of a problem with your card, that's at a different phone number. And I wanted to make sure you have that as well. That's 888-356-3281. 
And EBT for those that may not know? Electronic Benefits Transfer. That's your actual card that you will use at the grocery store. Fantastic. We're going to close out, but I must say, I learned so much today and so many tips and tricks and even about how to save money in buying food and this incredible resource that is available to former foster youth to help them cover some of the cost for their food requirements. Lots of phone numbers we've given out. The Hope Line that Patty mentioned is a great resource. We've already heard from some youth that have utilized it and have spoke glowingly about it. So as we close out today, just a reminder that this is a series of six podcasts for youth by youth. If you are a youth champion, please help us spread the message by getting former foster youth plugged into resources to assist them on their journey to adulthood. To learn more about One Voice Impact or to get involved in a local youth council, reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. That's impact with two A's, I-M-P-A-A-C-T, or email us at info at youthvoicenation.org. And if all else fails, you can always reach out to Selfless Love Foundation. Our number is 954-372-7760. Thank you so much, Rayla and Patty, for jumping on with us today and sharing this valuable information for our youth.